Hello, welcome to FiresideFileMaker.com, a podcast with John Mark Osborne and Michael Rashad. Welcome to the Fireside FileMaker podcast. My name is John Mark Osborne. And I'm Michael Rashad. We have our regular guest, Mark LaRochelle. Mark, say hello. Hello, everyone. Mark LaRochelle from Productive Computing. And today we are very privileged and very honored to have a very special guest, Brad Freitag, who has taken time out of his incredibly busy schedule to sit down and talk to us about FileMaker and where Claris is going. And Brad, it is wonderful to have you here. And uh, tell us a little bit about your background before you joined Claris, which was, I think, in 2013. Sure. Uh, first of all, wonderful to be here. I'm, I'm thrilled to be chatting with the three of you and glad we could make this work. I'm really excited to do this podcast. Yeah, happy to tell you about my, my background. I, I've spent my entire career in business-to-business software, including big names like IBM, Oracle, and current work now. In addition, I did several startups, VP of sales for two startups. So toggled really between very large companies and really small entrepreneurial efforts. And and that landed me here. And I think the experience set that I've been through serves me really well. I've People ask, you know, would you rather be one or the other? And I think it all lends to just getting smarter and learning in new ways. So uh, but my, my upbringing, so to speak, professional upbringing was entirely in the sales rags. Moving into this role as president and CEO of Claris has introduced much wider range of opportunities and, and I cherish the learning about it every day. Fantastic. Brad, how far ahead of you taking over from Dominique did you know that you would be the CEO? Was it something that you knew a long time ahead or was it very short notice? When when I actually knew was only months in advance of the announcement in that there was a search and decisions had to be made and competition and all of those things. But I I could signal that in my first meeting with Dominique in 2013, I expressed my ambition to succeed him in the role and onboarded with the expectation that I would have that opportunity. Certainly, you know, seven years later, there was no guarantee that was going to happen. That was my ambition. And he understood that when I came into the organization. So I think there there were many occasions where With that understanding, Dominique exposed me to learning opportunities and let me drive initiatives outside of the sales function, but to facilitate the learning or to test whether I would be able to make that transition over time. So uh, that was the progression. Interesting. Were the rebranding and acquisition plans already in place or were they your initiative? The... Uh, acquisition, I was a strong, strong advocate for and influencer in every aspect of it, but that was really driven, you know, that was uh, run under Dominique. The rebranding was was entirely initiated after I took on the role. How would you say that was in terms of the difficulty of taking a, a very well-established name and then reverting to one that had not been used for 20 plus years. We had to, to do a lot of, of soul searching about whether a rebrand was important and made the decision that it was, that we we have a, a vision for 
extending and expanding on current feature set in pretty significant ways, we felt a strong responsibility to put the position, the organization in a position, have longevity and to, to be around several decades from now as we have inherited it, having been built over several decades today. And in, in thinking through that vision, it, you know, believed a rebranding was an imperative. To wondering if uh, in this whole rebranding, are we going to bring back Mac Wright, Claris Organizer, Claris Works, stuff, Claris Emailer? Because I, I had to support all those in tech support, and there must have been 15 apps. I mean, Mac Project, don't bring that one back. It, I, I hated supporting that one. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Uh, they, they, by the way, there's still legendary stories about your, your role. Uh, within Claris and FileMaker. So uh, yeah, we can talk about those stories later. No, I, so so that's a reflection on our purpose. And I, I'm clear on our purpose. We've talked about it as power to the problem solvers. We've talked about it more broadly as making powerful technology available to everyone. The The purpose sentiment that most of us align behind is the idea of transforming mere mortals into developers. And we've seen that happen over and over and over again, where we have people who were formerly professional musicians and artists and all functions of business, people with entirely non-traditional backgrounds who have evolved to being absolute FileMaker gurus, and they make a wonderful living doing that. So, so that, that sense of purpose around you know, creating the opportunity for, for people with non-traditional backgrounds to become developers anchors us. And with that sense of purpose, we recognize the amazing careers that so many of you have and the companies you're able to build with that as a part of your being. And in that sense, see it as a moral imperative that we generate awareness to people who could be like you, but are not like you today, who want this to be core to their identity and their being, to know that there is a path, there is a platform. There are lots of examples of people who, had, who have done it, and they will be able to do that too. And it extends to diverse backgrounds and people with limited education opportunities. So in that sense of purpose, I don't think consumer products like MacWrite belong. I think staying focused on developing applications, services, experiences for the workplace, for, for businesses is really important. And as we extend that from database, logic, user experience, our more recent areas of development, expanding on integration, moving into the future of AI, we're going to stay true to that purpose, and and we can I think we we can widen the frame with the Claris brand identity beyond what we were as as FileMaker. But I you know under my influence we will make, not get so so wide as to move into you know fifteen different consumer apps. I, I think we would lose at that point. Yeah, no, that's I I would have to agree with that. Brad, what you just said may in fact answer a good part of this next question, but I'm always delighted with the fact that your participation on this podcast is an absolute testament to your commitment to the FileMaker community, and I think that is special for today. So I just want to say that up front. In our view, that's important, and 
Now is an opportunity for you to talk to the community directly and perhaps say something that you don't always get to say under your normal traditional messaging. Is there anything that you'd like to share with the community or the audience that perhaps you just want to get out there and talk about or discover with us? Sure. You, you know, your first point, I just want to reflect on and reciprocate that it, it, it is special for me on a deeply personal level to be involved with the community the way that I am. And, and I wake up with a deep sense of responsibility to contribute in a way that, that enables this entire community to thrive. And I, I have multiple reminders every day that, that that's where I live. So uh, that, that, that sense of this being special is very much reciprocated. In response to your question, if there are things I can share with the, the community, First and foremost is a deep sense of gratitude and admiration for our community. That, you know, our community is a key asset to everything we do. And, and I don't say that lightly, and I don't characterize asset in any way as, as a commodity. I just recognize how much has gone into what what has been built collectively. It, it has a feeling more like a movement. Some describe it as a cult. And when I look at, and, and I, I say that, all of those as, as deep positives. When I look at the course of the past year where we've all had to confront this pandemic, you know, hasn't been seen around the world in, in a century, and brought into sharp refresh about how special our community is in the way we've stepped up to the challenge, in the way so many have participated in PPE solutions across London and New Orleans, the way we've helped schools and governments run and function, our community has absolutely rallied. And my gratitude and admiration has never been higher. The second message I'd want to reflect on is to the community, I, I hope Everyone can pause and recognize how powerful and important you are in this moment. When I, there, there's a there's a wonderful uh, humility that I see with so many in our community, and I think many people evolved into being really powerful professional developers, maybe by happenstance. But the reality is, you are here today doing something that. Gartner has has called out by 2024 by 2024 as becoming responsible for 65% of application development. Forrester's saying that it will, you know by 2021 75% of development shops are going to use low code platforms. So my emphasis is is to remind this community how hugely valuable you are to employers, to customers and to the future that, that we're going to build together over the years. And I encourage all of you to recognize that and, and to run with it. Yeah, terrific. Uh, thanks for um, sharing those feelings. Uh, I think that's important to talk about those things. Sometimes it's not always easy to get that kind of messaging out under the normal traditional channels. And uh, so having you on this podcast and reflecting on that is, is very appreciated. No, absolutely. The, uh, the, the, the reporters don't give me time to do that. So uh, this is a great forum for, yep. Yeah. It, Precisely. Yeah, that's what that's what's great about the podcast platform is you can do things like this and talk amongst almost very um, casual in a sense. Now that you've been working for Claris for several years, what are the biggest surprises that you've 
you know, discovered about the Claris Filemaker community. And probably this reflects on a lot of what you just said, but are there any other surprises that took you back from your past experience and then coming into the world of Claris? Like, wow, you never realized that that was there. Yeah, the, the the biggest surprise for me has has been, you know, it's at the same time the range of personalities, opinions, mindsets that compose our community with the civility by which it's managed, right? I mean, for not to transition into the incivility I see in so many other aspects of, of uh, particularly the, the U.S. today, what I see with our community is, is we come together with a sense of, of purpose and identity around Claris, around FileMaker, and function really, really well in our teaming dynamics. As I've gotten to know people, just we have the entire range of a truly global community with representation from every major continent and many countries and languages, not to mention faith, spirituality, creative expression that all come to life in our gatherings. And it's really incredibly well-managed. So I don't see that anywhere else in my life. So it's, it's always a refreshing lens and still surprises me. When I share that with people, I, I generally hear like, yeah, you know, you're right. And uh, we've known that for a long time. So uh, get used to it, which is a, a great attitude. Well, I think it's a very interesting observation, Brad, but it seems to me that the one thing that we all we FileMaker developers have in common, at least all the ones I know, is that we're all very creative and we're all focused on solving problems. We're not interested in politics or anything like that. We just want to get a problem solved. And FileMaker is, has always been an absolutely incredible tool to accomplish that, which is why we have all fallen in love with it. And and I, I hear that, Michael, from from so many. You're you're spot on. Over the years and increasingly more recently, there's been an increased emphasis to attract enterprise level customers. I think there's always been some eye to that, but it seems like perhaps it's increased recently. What challenges do you face as a software company with customers who are both small, let's say the mom and pops or small businesses? as well as some of the world's largest companies. How do you balance that? And what are the challenges in doing so? Well, your, your observation is aligned with our thinking and our discussion. So in that sense, uh, accurate. We, we start with market segmentation and it's important at least to, to share with the community that we think about small office, home office, kind of up to five users differently than we think about a 10 to 100 size organization, which we think about differently than 100 to 1,000. Or as we shift to the thousands, we, we start to, to look at the large enterprise. And each has its own unique set of requirements. As you move into um, middle market, that's where we, we do the best. That's where uh, if you look at the combination of landing and growing to maximum potential, if we base maximum potential on number of employees in those organizations. So let's call it 500 employee organizations. We really thrive. The word spreads quickly. The IT organization is relatively small. It exists, but it serves as an enabling central function for, for the, all the employees. And I think at a company that size, 
they're so overwhelmed by work, there's no sense of, of total control. It doesn't work that way. When we move to, to large enterprise, things shift really quickly with those IT dynamics, and we have to communicate and collaborate with them differently than we, than we have in the past. So let me emphasize that, that our focus remains on the small and medium-sized businesses. We are, are built, we have a strategy for identifying high potential accounts within those SMBs. And I imagine that strategy is going to extend into the large enterprise, but the, the large enterprise, we will continue to pursue opportunistically. We're, we, we are not going to pursue that strategically in that the dynamics shift so much from pricing, their expectations for us to show up, do really lengthy sales cycles, bring in an army of people while they consider and evaluate what we're doing. So, so that large enterprise will continue to treat, at least in the, the near, near term anyway, opportunistically. The, the change, the reason we think there is more opportunity moving into large organizations is because this you know, skills deficit has become so apparent everywhere. You know, if you talk to IT organizations, they have software backlogs that number into, in some cases, decades, not only months and years. They just have that much work. And you look at the number of compute jobs available compared to the number of computer scientists that, that are graduated every year, and the gap is undeniable. So dynamics are, are shifting to create lots of opportunity for us, and we absolutely you know, want to and are aligning to to capitalize on those opportunities. Yeah, it sounds like you might be able to get your have your cake and eat it too in that sense. You know, the product does speak to businesses of all sizes and shapes. And I'm sure John and Michael can share stories of, you know, you're working for one person one day and then you're working for a large enterprise the next. And the expectations and how you develop and how you even behave on that engagement could be different. But yet we can chameleon between one or the other. And the product, by the way, can chameleon between one or the other. So that's, it's very interesting. It's very unique in the marketplace in that respect. Brad, if I may, just make, this is just a, an observation. I'd be just interested to get your thoughts on it. It just seems that the, the very small, you know, the guy who just wants to start up a business on his, on his own has been left a little bit out of the equation because with the VLA system, you've got to buy five licenses, which is a not insignificant amount of money to pay up front for a year. And a lot of these people just aren't a five license customer. And I'm wondering if there's a concern that you might lose that segment, which was always the growth segment for FileMaker, because that's how all of us got started. Well, I certainly got started doing a program for one small operation that had one computer. Right. So let me make sure I capture both points. The first is about yeah, kind of the, the constraint we've we've created with the five user minimum and those uh, small, very small businesses that create opportunity for us. Have we have we abandoned them? And and then a slightly separate point on that single single user license, which I think about more for encouraging development. And your your if I've captured those two, which I'll pause for a second to make sure I have. I, I think we recognize both of those as problems that we need to solve for. So have I captured them correctly? Yes, absolutely. I think that a lot of ways that FileMaker got started in big companies was through one license. One guy had to solve a problem and then FileMaker just took off because, oh, can you solve this? Can you solve that? And I think that single license that Michael's talking about is very important to building even in large corporations. 
just as a, a quick reflection, I would say we are very mindful of thinking about that below five u- user experience and what we're going to do to encourage that. No, no, you know, I'm not going to make any announcements on the podcast today, but I, I expect we'll have some encouraging developments coming out reasonable term because they are important. And, you know, we, we don't want to miss on that. I wouldn't quite characterize that as as the most important market for us, but it is an important market and there are things we're going to be able to do to support that. More immediately, creating a single user license that would encourage development is nearly a no-brainer. It's not without complexity, but to put FileMaker Pro Client in the hands of more people with creative potential and aptitude who could become full-fledged developers is nearly a no-brainer. And, and I, I hear it over and over and I get it and, and we will get that resolved. We, we made one step this year, which has proven to be a very healthy experience in creating a, a free version of the FDS, which provides pro server for test and development only at no cost, the feedback from that has been wildly positive and and encourages us to do more of it. That's excellent. And we're excited about that. And all the software development that you guys have been doing lately, in fact, the new pace by which the software is being delivered and presented has been uh, not only refreshing, but in some cases, surprising. I can tell you personally that you guys are creating changes so fast that I can barely keep up with it in terms of the content and learning and all our staff and everyone's just running to catch up which is a good, good problem to have. And we really appreciate that. So what good things have you seen with this increased pace, the new agile, uh, the, the, the approach you guys take to software development, as well as what challenges has that presented to the company and the teams? Well, I, I can't understate the magnitude of change, the investment required for us to, to make a complete company-wide shift from waterfall to agile. I wouldn't go so far as to say I underestimated it because everybody told me it would be hard, but sometimes you have a sense of what hard might feel like, and then you experience it and significantly more pain and frustration along the way as you retrain all of these extremities to coordinate, interoperate, share information, those principles of transparency, visibility, adaptability that that we have to live and breathe require as much of a change in the way you work as as they do a change in mindset. And to drive that across an an organization is is really big. So I, I have massive appreciation for our employees for taking on that challenge. In many ways, it was initiated by by some of our more junior employees, more than individual contributors were saying like, this is so important, we have to do it. And what we're seeing is a much higher level of engagement across the entire organization. I expect as we, we get through this, we'll have it's not so much that metric of employee satisfaction, but more what's behind employee satisfaction. People can do more meaningful work. As developers, you can create capability, get it in the hands of, of customers, hear the customer feedback, recognize how how it has changed their world in a positive way. And that's a really virtuous cycle. So that, that aspect of it, we're really encouraged by certainly the, the velocity. Uh, and from my perspective, the coordination of all our teams. I feel like I can I can manage the company 
and influence changes in direction, hopefully they're nuances, but changes in direction quickly in a, in a several week horizon, you know, certainly a, a several month horizon really easily. In a way, I just didn't have that visibility nor the opportunity to kind of redirect the ship when I, when I stepped into this situation. So, so th- those are my reflections. Yeah. It sounds like it was a real challenge, but it definitely sounds like it'll be absolutely worth it based on the results we're already seeing. And I know that we haven't seen all the results yet, but the results that have come out through so far, at least from my perspective, is exciting. And I think it goes hand in hand with what Apple's doing with their silicon chip. And, you know, Richard Carlton and I and John and Michael were on a podcast and we were just all giddy over the M1 chip. I mean, it makes you feel like a kid again in terms of seeing these changes. And some of the things that Claris is doing kind of does make you feel like a kid again. Some of those interesting and exciting moments that when we first discovered a new feature, it makes us want to develop. It makes us, it's inspiring. So keep it up. That's I'm telling you personally, keep it up. What other industries have you seen thrive during these times? Our engineers are are every bit as excited and giddy about the M1 as as you are, and and I would set expectations that you know now that that our our method or agile method and Scrum framework is in place, expectations are velocity will continue to increase. We've overwhelmed each other at times. One department overwhelming another with pace and getting everybody coordinated is is its own challenge, particularly as we extend that out to the community. So I do, I do hear that feedback as well. I, and, and we're all going to figure out a rhythm and flow to make this work. Yeah, well, that's great. I mean, it's a good era to do what we're doing now. And you need, you need a good platform to do it. Which brings me actually to the next topic, which is what industries have you seen thrive during these times? And more specifically, what companies slash industries have you seen turn to FileMaker for a solution um, as far as remote working and the systems required to support this new socially distanced world? Yeah, so that there have been obvious, highly impacted industries that in so many ways are changing for, for the positive, like education and healthcare. The acceleration required to coordinate and collaborate remotely, what we see changing in, in medicine and how medical services are delivered, not to mention the obvious changes for virtual learning, I think are, are terrific, great opportunities that are, I expect, going to leave, you know, as a, a reflection, when we look back on this, this era, you know, a decade from now. Will, will have created tons of innovation and, and wildly for the positive. There, there are some organizations, I, you know, I, I, I have two customer calls scheduled every week. I, I just meet with a new customer to hear what they're doing, validate assumptions we're making, capture feedback on what we can do to improve. And last couple of weeks, there were two customers I, I spoke with. One was the George Floyd Memorial, where this organization is they've built a FileMaker application to capture all the artifacts, like the, the, the art, the expression of pain and healing that was so important and natural as a response to uh, the George Floyd murder. And so working with, with an organization like the George Floyd Memorial, uh, you know, they can do really important things really quickly uh, in a way that's going to conserve important special expressions of, of healing and pain for the long term. There was another organization I met with called Digital Promise, where they're getting mobile devices on an LTE network out to disadvantaged kids. And they've already gotten 160,000 
working connected devices into the hands of, of children who otherwise wouldn't be able to afford them and would be disconnected from education. So, you know, there's, there's really kind of special practical work happening in response to, to, to the changes we've dealt with recently. And I also, you know, I, I hear a, a much harder side for industries that are, are negatively affected, obviously travel, hospitality, and, you know, others that have been hard hit. And I, I'll share quickly, you know, I received a, a letter from a long-term customer and he, he just writes, you recently replied to my tweet. First and foremost, thank you. In the midst of a global pa pandemic, I'm elated and blessed that the CEO is human. And I thank God that it's also the CEO of my favorite software. I started playing with FileMaker when I was in college with no coding experience. It was there. I took a part-time job at a small mom and pop photo company that really took off. Accelerating forward, he, he shares that eventually he purchased the company. They were flying in January, ready for baseball season to service the photographs of 25,000 kids that obviously never came to bear. He, he had asked me on Twitter, you know, can we do something about the licensing? We have a program for businesses that are significantly impacted. And he just wrote simply, thank you for showing compassion when it was most needed. So I'm with FileMaker until I'm, until I'm in the grave. Um, so, you know, I, I share that with deep empathy for uh, many of our businesses who are, are also so negatively affected by what's happening. And, and uh, we do want to make sure they know we have a program to help them get through this. Hey, Brad, I, I, this is not one of the questions on, on our that we submitted, but it, it seems to me that that you must work like. 12 hours a day, 16 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, otherwise, how could you talk to all these customers? I mean, obviously it's clear that you've, you've been doing it and on a regular basis. I, I don't know how you can do it. I, I can't do it. I, I did it when I was a lot younger. When I worked uh, you know, at ISO Productions, I used to work six or seven days a week, 16 hours a day, but those days are gone. How do you, how do you, you know, what, what is your schedule? And just to give people an idea, they want to know a little bit about you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know that I'm proud to admit how much I work, but it is my reality right now. And, it, and it's, it's my, this is such an intense responsibility and we're driving so much change. We're so committed to innovation. There's no other way to do it. So I, I work six days a week. I I'll probably work half days on, on Saturdays and Sundays. Uh, you know, I definitely get some time off. I have dinner with my family. Two kids are off to college, one in high school. My, my wife is incredibly supportive in what I'm doing. She understands it. Uh, she has, she's an entrepreneur, has her own career. So, you know, we're able to find balance. I wake up every morning and, and meditate because I have to, to, to keep me sane. I work out not as much as I'd like to partially because fitness centers are all shut down, but I work out with discipline and, and conviction to help keep me moving. But uh, yeah, I mean, my, my calendar is absolutely packed. And every few months, we'll do a retro on strategy. We really have two core strategies that I know we need to focus on. So that centers me, our purpose centers me longer term. And then in the, near, in the more near term, we have our quarterly objectives and key results. And then our, our you know, more, more execution focused work that I have to do any given week. So I look at my calendar and, and ask myself, does everything belong? Is everything in service of those, that sense of purpose, strategy, and goal? 
And as long as it is, I'm able to prioritize it and make that time work. But uh, yes, it's it's intense and it's it's energizing. I wouldn't describe it as as exhausting every once in a while. I, I need to get a day off because I'm probably pushing pretty hard. So that's that's a day in the life. Brad, at the very beginning of this, you said that you were very heavily involved with the decision to move forward with Claris Connect. Can you tell us a bit more about that? If you looked back at our product roadmap, integration, you know, was was core to what we're doing. We needed FileMaker to integrate with other things. And we had obviously history with ODBC, JDBC, SS. More, more, more recent innovation for us had been uh, the data API. We also saw opportunity not only as we thought about extending that capability, we also were, you know, we're making this transition uh, of FileMaker into the cloud. And we knew a big investment needed to be to be made for the long term in kind of core cloud infrastructure, standing up our DevOps, our, our SecOps, the certifications required to make all of that really stick. And especially, you know, as we evolve into this opportunistic area of of larger accounts and, and to the extent that eventually becomes core to our strategy, these are investments we just we're going to have to make. So with Stampway, it, it checked a lot of boxes for us, gave us accelerated our, our integration feature set, but also put in place that, that uh, kind of key infrastructure, as, as I can most easily characterize it, to support what has become our cloud smart strategy. And, and to be very clear, we're not cloud native, we're not cloud only, we define cloud smart as recognition that on-premise software is really important. We support it and see it as a competitive differentiator that we're committed to. We also see massive economies of scale with cloud infrastructure investments, and and we expect more and more of the work we do to extend out on onto the edge. So as an acquisition, really accelerated innovation for us in, in a number of key ways and and made a, a ton of sense for us. And it still does. I mean, to reflect back on it, uh, th- there are things in, in uh, go-to-market packaging, pricing, all that stuff where where I would, I'm sure we're going to make adaptations. I know we're going to make adaptations, but when I look at the core strategy, the thinking behind the acquisition and what it's brought for us, I would say it's been beyond critical in support of the FileMaker to Claris transformation. Has the level of adoption been what you expected, slower or faster? What would you say? I would say the changes we are are planning to introduce will will significantly, you know, by orders of magnitude, increase the adoption. So, you know, I'd, I'd like everybody to be using the product, but our job is to provide value and feedback we hear from customers is that value would take on different proposition that we, we've offered if we want to get to really significant scale, which we absolutely do. So I'm encouraged by the feedback. I'm encouraged by capability and comfortable with the level of adoption, but not satisfied. So we'll do some things differently to get there. I think uh, one of the things that that developers would like to see is uh, a free version of Claris Connect 
limited in some way, but so that we can test. And I think you mentioned something in the, the, in the Claire's 2021 vision webinar about this, that there might be some availability, easier availability, Claire's connect so we can fool around with it, play around with it, try it out. Um, even though we don't have a client who needs it. Yeah. So, so uh, let me reflect on that. Not again, not making any announcements today, but we have put in place the internal documentation for the one Claris platform vision. And the one Claris platform vision is, is, suggests that we want all of the capabilities we're developing in the platform to be available to our customers as a unified experience. So Claris Connect is, is critical to the future of the, the platform. It will be increasingly tightly integrated with everything we do, and we're going to encourage market adoption in, in the right way. So, we, we, you know, again, no announcements, but, but that's, that's what we want. We, we want every one of you encouraged to use the platform, to try it and, and to give us feedback so that we can improve it and make sure it meets your requirements as a developer to create value for, for your customers. And, and I think there, there's some relatively simple adjustments we're going to be able to make to satisfy that ask. I think that's a very interesting thing. And I was looking at the um, Claris Connect page and I was really quite impressed by how many integrations there are available already. I didn't realize it was as many as they've got. So it's, it's encouraging. And I, I think if it becomes perhaps a little easier to uh, get into in terms of cost or just availability, then I think it'll be a, something that a lot of people will adopt because writing APIs is still very highly specialized and only only a few people can do it, relatively speaking. Moving on, Brad, this is a, a marketing question. Um, there was a big push towards FileMaker being the workplace innovation platform. And as you, I'm sure you know, Airtable is currently at the top of the list. What's your feeling about workplace innovation platform as a marketing term strategy. It, I mean, I agree it does. It's what FileMaker does best, but I'm not sure, so sure I like the term, the phrase very much. What do you think? Yeah, I, I was, uh, you know, I'm six, four. I was a pretty good basketball player when I was a kid. And, and uh, I was, I was, you know, picked up the nickname Slim. I was this really tall, skinny kid, and and that was the nickname I got on the court. I always wanted a really cool nickname like The Weekend when I watched in the Super Bowl halftime show and, and didn't get it. So as I reflect on workplace, workplace Innovation Platform, you know, the, the industry is in so many ways talking about low code, and we have to participate in that conversation, whether we like it or not. I think I agree with you. Workplace innovation platform. I mean, we are a platform that innovates the workplace. It is it is a uh, accurate descriptor of of what we do, and I think it's nuanced from the uh, exhaustive ways people use low code as a buzzword today. My expectation is that we're going to have the opportunity to uh, shape our market niche of of low code around the workplace innovation platform framework over time. But, but I think I have to accept that, that, you know, widespread adoption of workplace innovation platform hasn't happened the way we had hoped it would. And, and, you know, therefore we have to adapt. 
Um, so Brad, what what has the feedback been from developers and or customers with the direction the company has taken, specifically around the notion of cloud first or cloud smart, as far as the offerings and you know, and what other future offerings um, you know what, what, what might we anticipate with that? I mean, at least over a year ago, I think this the the notion of cloud first came to be, and I think that was really loud and clear. The way it was presented was really strong, and I like that notion. But specifically, you know, what what, what feedback can you give us as far as how that's going so far, and um, you know where you see that might go in the future? As far I, a lot of it you've touched upon, but it'd be interesting to see what other feedback you've gotten from the community and or your peers. Mm-hmm. Uh, feedback has been mixed combination of uh, range from enthusiastic support to fear if not if not outright rejection <laughs> so we, we we have messaging work to do and, and reinforcement of where we're going uh, I, I believe the one Claris platform vision will satisfy the responses in a way that that will be significantly encouraging over time you know the, the some of the investments we make i mean that the, they're oh gosh the, the the linux server as an example is so obvious and logical in so many ways it, it will let us reduce costs on on you know as we ship it for on-prem, it lets us reduce costs in managing, you know, FileMaker for Mac, FileMaker for for Windows, FileMaker for any other server, and there's scale between the on-prem version and the cloud. So that's probably the best example that that people get their heads around. Uh, we get pushback saying, well, you know, Linux servers are tough to work with, and, and that's hard. Again, we, we have a cloud option available to simplify that, and in our positioning for professional developers, they're generally totally comfortable. In fact, you know, see lots of value in cost savings and otherwise with Linux. The, the, the future investments though, you know, we get to invest in modern frameworks, modern languages that will be transferable to the cloud. And when I, I look at areas where we've been challenged by acceptance, over, challenged for acceptance over the years, particularly as we move into larger accounts, it really comes down to control. And I think we're going to have a lot more opportunity with IT organizations if we can show them the security white paper that we have have co-published with Apple from our website, the certifications of our cloud approach, and, and for IT, the sense that, okay, they will have complete visibility into all of the FileMaker development happening within, happening within the organization. They know it's highly secure. They know it's updated and they know we, we've done everything we can to prevent threat and intrusion and we'll give them the right lines of control. Whether they choose cloud or on-prem isn't, isn't the issue. The issue is that we're going to have a really strong message for different accounts to consider and, and it'll create a lot of opportunity for success with this. You know, all of this is, is really embedded under an a, appreciation for what the three of you do or what your your teams do on a daily basis, right? The work you're doing, the problems you're solving. Our goal is to bring increased capability so you can do that. You can solve more problems more quickly, delivering more value to your customers. And we're going to have to do that. There's there's no alternative. We have to do that with a cloud smart strategy. And, and I just expect over time, 
as we we realize this one Claris platform vision we'll we'll get we're we're so mindful of what our customers and our partners want we're going to get it right and there will be uh, widespread acceptance and enthusiasm yeah just to reflect on that you know for years and years we would go into companies and then we would be challenged by the IT departments of those companies specifically the enterprises where you know it just wasn't the platform at the time wasn't really as up to the task as it is today in terms of its attestations and certifications. And so as much as some developers perhaps might be not necessarily confused, but some developers are of the mind of, you know, you're speaking in a language that doesn't resonate with me when we talk what I call enterprise speak, but that's necessary for the platform to grow. It's necessary for the platform to be secure. It's necessary. It is, it's all those check marks that corporations need and require in order to establish a platform, to, in, order, in order to validate it. And I can safely say that for the last X amount of years, it was just the reverse of that. We, we would come into an organization and it was FileMaker and it was always the redheaded stepchild in terms of, from an IT standpoint to say, this doesn't fit in the nice, neat square box that Microsoft fits in. So we're going to have to go with Microsoft, you know, and as those are the kind of conversations that developers would complain that they had to have with their IT departments. Now we're in a pl place to say, hey, look, we're, we're good here. We're good here. We're certified there and all this. So I think that's an important thing that a lot of developers sometimes dismiss out of pocket, not realizing the importance of that for the platform as a whole. Right. And for those accounts, the platform has incredible power, right? We've talked about it as, as low code without limits. You can extend the platform deep into IT standards, integration with all of the internal services, applications, data structures they're, they're using. And, and the platform is not going to let you down. We, the, the, the four of us know that. Many in IT do not. So pressing a, a new vision with very clear commitment to all the modern investments that they would expect is essential to checking those boxes. And then we can point to significantly trained, you know, Claris professionals who know everything about the platform and can deliver value in days, weeks, months, and years with extraordinary return. I mean, that, that that's what should happen. And I think in a well-coordinated effort between the investments we're making in the platform, our strategies to be better connected with our partners, our partners being in a better position to evangelizing the entire solution, we're going to see great adoption and, and penetration in some new yeah. accounts. And you'll have the revenue to support it. And that, that's you know another key ingredient to the whole the whole equation. I have a funny story to share with you, Brad. I worked as a consultant for an organization that I cannot and will not name. And they had a very large FileMaker in, uh, installation, very large. And they also had a very big team of Oracle developers. And their Oracle developers decided they wanted to build this solution. And four of them spent six weeks developing it. And they showed it to the guy who ran the FileMaker side of it. And he looked at it and went away. And the next morning, he came back with a solution that worked better than theirs had taken. And he did it overnight. It's so true, right? It's, I mean, there have been so many of these stories. And uh, it's, it, I, again, I, I, think, I think a lot of those, those shops are now so overwhelmed with projects where, where they probably have the right tool for the job, right? If it gets into whatever combination of appropriateness for, for budget and all of that, they're like, 
great, fine. So they, they have work to do and, and probably a degree of overwhelm that, that many of our, our own developers are experiencing. So there's a lot happening, right? I mean, it, it, it's definitely not a zero-sum game. There's a lot of opportunity. And when people are willing to sit down and have an honest conversation about the trade-offs and benefits of, of going with the Claris platform, we, we, we find uh, lots of opportunity. So I, I heard it's story time. So I'm going to tell my little story too uh, about uh, I've been training for a long, long time teaching FileMaker classes. And I can tell you that I've had at least six or seven Oracle employees in my FileMaker classes. And it's because there's a right tool for every job. And they realize that Oracle's a big sledgehammer and it takes care of big jobs, but FileMaker's in there taking care of everyday business and doing things quickly and agilely. And uh, I think it's a, a really important thing to note about uh, you know, FileMaker, about how well it works alongside these bigger companies, these bigger tools. I'm not sure that I understand why the intention is to deprecate peer-to-peer -peer sharing because you know for the very small mom and pop shops where they might have just two computers peer-to-peer -peer sharing is an essential part of being able to just manage that without the expense of five licenses and going to having a server so is there a technical reason why your claris is trying yes, to yes I, I, I can give you I, I can give you the technical reason without giving you insight and i can also say the, the, the mom and pops matter. They're important um, and we, we need to figure out a better way to service them. And I think where we're going with, uh, in particular, the economies of scale in cloud offerings will be a better way to service them, at least offers that potential. But the technical answer is it came down entirely to security in that with peer-to-peer, -peer, there was no SSL certificate to encrypt traffic. And the reputational concern for FileMaker or Claris with that sort of vulnerability was the reason for deprecating the feature. When I first came in, uh, to uh, themes or the first saw them, uh, Heather Winkle, uh, who is an employee, I think she predates you. I'm not sure, Brad, but. No, we overlapped. Yeah, I, 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 she's wonderful. Yeah, she was wonderful. I mean, I, I loved her to death and I wish she still was at, at Claris, but, you know, things change, you know, you got to accept that. But she had made uh, about uh, uh, just a whole ton of different types of themes and then they got deprecated and I get why, but um, maybe this is a chance for you guys to start bringing out more themes because really, honestly, the, the theme market out there. Uh, to purchase a theme, uh, a professionally done, it's just not there. You have to develop your own. And some people don't have that skill set. And I'd like to see you guys uh, undeprecate some of these themes. Mm -hmm. yeah, I, I've looked at our backlog and themes are in there. I wouldn't say they're they're surfacing as the the highest of priorities. And there are different discussions about advancing our marketplace vision for partners or developers to participate in theme creation and to be able to, to incentivize that. I, I listened to your podcast recently with Richard Carlton and heard him reflect that there was that his framework was there was a discussion with FileMaker about putting it in, but he wasn't going to get brand recognition or something. I don't know if that was a legacy discussion, but it didn't make sense to me. We need to create incentives for 
people like Richard to publish more content into you know our community. We need to invest more in our marketplace so that that's that's uh, easily digestible and really helpful for people who are new to the platform, as you're talking about, and wonder whether that's not the better opportunity for for or or a alternative a, 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 another opportunity for us to enhance the theme library. So sharing a couple couple things we're talking about there and, and feedback taken. Well, I think you've been very clear that in your mind, the developer community is a very integral and important part of what Claris is doing and where Claris is going. And that's fantastic. But there has always been a kind of a, I don't quite know where the word to, a feeling that in some ways we are, one month we're essential and the next month we're, no, we don't need you at all. And so we never really know where we stand. We don't know if what we share with Claris is valued or taken into consideration. And, you know, to be perfectly honest, and this is just the way it is, I mean, we're really at the blunt edge of the spear because we're not selling licenses. We're selling solutions. That's all we do. And licenses are sold as a result of us developing solutions for businesses that make them wildly profitable or more successful and whatever. So what's your general observation on that, Brad? Your, your communication is appreciated, first of all. It's it's honest and, and direct and uh, in particular, I think you're sharing it without emotion in this conversation, but I'm sure that creates, you know, frustration and resentment for you to sense that perception. My intention is to treat our partners as a strategic relationship in everything we do. And I emphasize that with the executive team. It's reflected in our core strategy, and I know we have work to do. And I think in doing that work, I expect we'll see those emotions move from frustration and resentment to enthusiasm, appreciation, collaboration, right? I think we can turn those to positive. So I can understand why you feel that way, why, you know, and it makes sense to me. That has been your experience, and there have been probably differing opinions and positions by different leaders, different executives over the last decade, maybe even beyond that. And it, it, I know it is changing because my relationship with partners, my respect for the work that they're doing, the critical value they provide to our customers is, is true. In addition to talking to customers a week, I talk to two partners a week. So I, I take the feedback, I hear the feedback, it is significantly influencing the prioritization of our backlog so that we get better and better at this. And I, I know we have work to do. And in addition, over Thanksgiving, over that break, I went through Claris Academy, just you know, start to finish to figure out what the experience is for people who are new to us. So let, let me express it as one of our core strategies, you've seen this, this index we have of where people are are on this development continuum, right? We talk about 20s being, you know, capable of having aptitude and interest, but very little experience progressing up to 80s where, where they become professionals. And, and so part of our strategy is to connect those 20s with 80s, and you will see that increasingly expressed. 
another component to our strategy is to connect. Not so that that continuum describes people who are on a developer journey, you know, where, where being a developer really becomes a part of your being. There are lots of other people who come to us, they just want, they want a problem solved. They want the job done. Uh, and they may be people like me who don't have time to be full-time developers or being a full-time developer isn't going to be a part of their being. And we need to do a much better job of coordinating the connection between people like you and people like them. So that's explicit in our strategy. We have a series of plans and tactics to make that work and happen. And my goal is to transform those emotions that, that you've described and I've heard from many others to, to much more positive emotions. We're all, we're, we are all feeling a strong sense of collaboration. Yeah, and I'm, I'm really glad to hear that, Brad, because that's, that's what we want to hear. We want to have more communication. I think some of the frustration comes from before your time, uh, the past couple of decades, we all have 30 years of experience in the FileMaker market, each one of us in, in this podcast. And we know what's happened over the years. And we feel sometimes like it's a one-sided relationship. Like I don't get people calling me up and say, hey, what can I do for you? When they call me up, they say, hey, I need this. And that's, I guess, where it comes down to is that we want to remember, I guess, developers want to be, uh, you know, noticed. Um, they want to. They want Claris to feel like they're important by saying, "Hey, we're going to do this for you." And I, th I see things change. I'm not saying it's not, but also some of the frustrations just from a long history of, of you know, of seems like paying less attention to us than than we we thought we thought we were more important. I guess, and I, and, I, and I'm glad you're changing things. So that, and, and you're listening to people because I I've already heard throughout this whole podcast how you're you're listening to this customer, you're listening to the developer and you you have the the share voice and and you're sharing all this stuff in the clears. It's, so it's it is turning around, I hope, and we see that. So um thank you. You're sure and and, and actions are going to make the difference, right? So I, I I can talk about it, I can care about it. What what all of you are, are going going to need to experience are changing actions by Claris, improving, improving dynamics. So, so with that, with that caveat, I just will share in order to build trust and credibility with the community. Several years ago, when I was vice president of sales, we had created this, this loose network of partners and it was Todd Geist, Nick Goya, Ernest Coe, Vince Lackner, John Sindelar, and myself. And we were just having you know, kind of regular riffs just to talk about some things we needed. And from that evolved what became the FileMaker Partner Council, which has since evolved into the Claris Partner Council. So I only share that to bring credibility to, to my firm commitment to understanding and collaborating with partners. I, I, it's, it's, it's been a conviction of mine. Um, I recognize it. And, and that, that conviction is only strengthened over time. That's fantastic. Thank you. And we, we really appreciate that. And I can tell you that all the people who will listen to this will be very glad to hear it. So I've just got one observation, um, Brad, and this is something that you may not have thought about and you might have done. But in my opinion, FileMaker's biggest potential market is one that you're not tapping into, which is getting people off of spreadsheets. And spreadsheets are so inferior in so many ways, but so many companies rely on them. They run their entire businesses on them. And every time I manage to convert, a, get a company away from using spreadsheets, their profit profitability goes through the roof. Why can't we get more of them? It seems like a natural, natural fit. So you're, you're 
observation resonates for me with with the customer calls I do, the new customer calls I do. Quite a few. I mean, I, I don't want to go so far as say all of them, but many are moving off of spreadsheets, right? That they need, they, they've solved a data problem. That company I was just referencing earlier, Digital Promise, moved from a spreadsheet that took several days to execute, you know, the data management reporting for these, these you know, hundreds of 100,000 phones, whatever number they were up to at that point, and they were breaking the system, transitioned everything over to FileMaker, and they could process it, you know, in near real time. So you're, you're absolutely right about the opportunity, and it's a good reminder for me as we think about our go-to-market on what we can emphasize and, and prioritize. And I, I know we've we've done some of it in the past and, and have shifted away from it. So I will take it back to my very trusted marketing partner, Britta, and uh, get some ideas from her on it. Thank you for pointing that out. We hear a little bit, well, actually, we've heard a lot about next gen. We hear the word next gen, but we don't necessarily know much about next gen. Are we missing something big here? Is something really big on the horizon as far as I, we have FileMaker, we have Claris Connect? And then we have NextGen. So I, in my mind, that's a th- kind of a third product offering. And I'm trying to figure out if that's just a collection of the Claris platform. And NextGen means, you know, the platform will be more cohesive, more inclusive, more complete, more connected. Or is NextGen potentially something brand new on top of what we've already seen of, from the other two major apps? Awesome. Yeah, happy to talk about this. If you look back to the brand announcement, the acquisition announcement at, at Claris Engage, we, we really wanted to reflect a future where we knew we would be executing an agile method, moving away from waterfall. And th- there, were, there were a lot of ideas we wanted to communicate in, in the vision. But let, let me be really explicit about one point first, which is it, it, there's no replacement for FileMaker. FileMaker does so much and there's so much power and capability in that platform. It will definitely evolve and, and start, you know, right? I mean, as it always has, as it has for, for a decade. So let me start by clarifying that NextGen is not a replacement for FileMaker and there's no plan to replace FileMaker. The way we could signal to the market all these investments we're going to make in addition to changing methods to a new infrastructure is behind Cloud Smart were the best way we could signal that was around next gen and to reflect that a faster pace of innovation was coming, that, that we were moving to full agility. That's what, what next gen was designed to reflect. You've seen it with the Claris Connect offering. And as we bring this vision to life, we'll probably reflect it more and more with features around AI and machine learning, advanced technologies going forward. And all of that will come together more and more under the language of, of one Claris platform. So I don't think you're missing anything. I think there are a few things that, that we needed to clarify along the way, especially the continued significant investment we're making in, into FileMaker as we evolve the platform. Does that make sense? Yeah, it sure does. And it's sort of hand in hand with that aspect. It was hinted, and I don't know if this was something that you wanted to really explore or can, but it was hinted that Claris Connect might in fact be included uh, within the FileMaker licensing as one complete offering. 
potentially with, and I'm going here as far as making the leap, potentially at one price or one user, you know, per user price type of thing. Um, is that something that we might be looking at as far as the future and the way that it's licensed? Um, yeah, so I think we may have touched on this earlier in the conversation, but yeah, I mean, th there is, yeah. there's no announcement about um, repackaging, repricing. I would emphasize that Claris Connect is critical to our platform currently and for the future, will be more integrated with everything we do, and we will announce specifics over time around this, this sense of a one unified Claris platform which would be core to our vision. So I hope that answers the question. It's a little bit of a non-answer I recognize, but yeah. I think that's a good good answer and gets us in the right direction. One last thing on Claris Connect. Uh, we definitely heard loud and clear that there's some uh, major initiatives happening where there's a focus on vertical markets with Claris Connect, specifically with the K through 12 education space, which really piqued my interest to see, oh, that's interesting because then you have a targeted market, uh, you know how to market to those people. It's something really specific and elaborate. If possible, can you share how that came to be and maybe what, what you're doing in that direction? Mm -hmm. Passionate and excited about what we're doing there. And this, this vertical focus gives us, gives us an opportunity to think about intelligent automation, workflow, integration, you know, deep integration in, in the context of a specific industry use case. So we are making a big investment there and, and we will look to other vertical markets where we can solve problems over time. But for the moment, that, that K through 12 area is, is significantly in line of sight. The challenge we see is that so many schools and districts are having a hard time stitching together all of these systems and services amplified by COVID-related challenges. And we've talked to school districts who are touching you know, hundreds of tools on a daily basis. So we want to solve for that heavy lift and help them achieve interoperability. Claris Connect can definitely play a critical role addressing the, challenging, the challenge, managing the many devices that these schools are deploying, the content, the people, uh, administration, students, parents, and would set expectations for uh, announcements coming in the spring and through the summer with a focus on broader deployment over the future. So it, it's it's going to be a, a substantial, it, this, this is a substantial bet for us and, and really the first area of vertical focus that, that we've had in, in quite some time. So um, it, it won't it won't replace our very, you know, kind of broad commitment to horizontal SMB and the way we build the platform at all. But but this will be one one experiment with us, um, partially because education is is aligned with our values. Uh, and not coincidentally, it has always been our highest prefer performing vertical market. So there comes a time when we have to end the podcast, uh, I know that Brad's a very busy guy and needs to go change the world, but we want to just take a minute to thank him 
for coming on and being transparent. You know, he can't reveal everything. Obviously, there's there's secrets in the company that are secrets for a reason. They they need to to you know keep them that way. Sometimes they come out, you know, as features. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they need to be kept quiet so they can you know be the first to market. There's all kinds of things. But I feel like Brad's been really transparent. And I want to uh, thank him for for coming on here and spending so much time. I mean, over an hour with this was great. Thank you. Uh, John, Michael, Mark, my huge privilege to be here. Really fun to chat with the three of you. Uh, wish you all wonderful success, health and safety during this this uh, very tough time. I know that the, we're all seeing a, a vision for bright light and an end of the pandemic, which uh, fingers, co- fingers crossed happens sooner rather than later. But uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity and uh, to our, our community of listeners. Uh, I look forward to engaging with all of you in as many uh, uh, channels as possible in, in the near future. So. so I have one last question before you go, Brad. Will you come back and be, do another show with us in six months and tell us what's going on? <laughs> I would be delighted to return. I, I'm not going to make commitments to timing right now, but would be absolutely uh, delighted to come back. And uh, thank you for having me. And, and you know, I, I'd recommend... We consider some other voices from Claris um, to participate, and I'd be happy to encourage. <laughs> we definitely we've got a whole list of people we'd love to spend time with and talk to, and uh, we were very fortunate to have a fantastic conversation with Rick Coleman and Robert Holsey about a year ago, and that was an incredible um, podcast for us and for the community and. Uh, we gain so much by sharing knowledge and uh, i think that's the way the community is and it's the way we are right well no i just wanted to say thanks brad um, great being on the podcast you know we this our collective experience before we calculated this i think was 96 years is that right michael 96 years between the three of us and uh we spend a lot of time talking about the platform you know you think all we do is develop and work with customers but we actually spend a lot of time about talking about the platform, the direction of the company, the strategy, uh, probably more than you think. And um, this kind of conversation with, uh, you know, the leaders at the top is terrific. So thanks. My name is John Mark Osborne, and we thank you for uh, participating listening to our podcast. We also have Michael Richard and Mark La Rochelle participating here and of course brad freitag thanks for all you guys making this happen i appreciate it this is michael richard we hope you've enjoyed this opportunity as much as we have to get to know brad freitag and to discover his vision for claris as well as his absolute commitment to the developer community something that i'm pretty sure none of us have ever heard before while we always ask for comments we especially would like to hear from you about this podcast and we will share all comments with Brad. He deserves our support, and the best way to show that is for him to hear from all of us. So please email us at info at farsidefilemaker.com with your thoughts and comments. Thanks, as always, for listening. Be well and stay safe. You've been listening to Farside Farmaker, a podcast with John Mark Osborne and Michael Richard. We'd love to hear what you think, so please email us at info at firesidefarmaker.com. That's info at firesidefarmaker.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.